welcome to Love Alexi. My name is Alexi Wasser. I am your host, and this is my podcast. And today I have a very special guest. I've known him since I was 15 years old. We met at the music venue, The Smell, and very quickly he became uh, my big brother from another mother. I mean, if I could dream up the perfect big brother, even though I do have uh, an older brother who is my half-brother who I never talked to, and I've only ever referred to him as my half-brother, even to his face, uh, my perfect big brother would be Gil Kennan, my guest today, writer-director Gil Kennan. Uh, you may have seen some of his films. Uh, they include Monster House, uh, City of Ember, and Poltergeist. Um, you're welcome. This is going to be a fast-paced romp. Uh, it's just nonstop. He is so sharp, funny, witty, quick, hilarious, uh, and we talk about a million different things. We talk about uh, our cool, hip, emo, youthful past, uh, and uh, we talk about his... Uh, his uh, career as a director, his aspirational family situation where he's been with the, he's been married to a woman. He's been with her for 13 years. They have a beautiful daughter. He's so creative, so kind, so loving. And I'm just so glad he came on the podcast so we could talk about everything from, uh, you know, uh, being young and growing up and going to shows when we were younger to uh, he's an adult now. And, uh, and his, his, uh, his work as a director and everything he experiences and notices. And he gives me love and life and dating advice. We talk about press juicery. We, uh, it's just the banter is effortless is what I'm saying. And I appreciate that. And I, I know he's got a very successful career on his hands, but uh, I, think, uh, I think I might ask Gil to be my sidekick because it is just too good and you're going to know what I'm talking about momentarily. Uh, on a side note of a side note before I, uh, I throw us over to the actual conversation I have with Gil Kennan. Um, I, I had a bizarre week and I'm just going to tell you one story and uh, let that sit with you and do with it what you will and then listen to my conversation with Gil. But here's what happened. I take drinking very seriously. I don't drink very often. I even talk about that on the podcast today with Gil. But I went out with my girlfriends this Friday and I had a few drinks. We had dinner we met up with friends at a bar. We had a few more drinks. I took an Uber there. I took an Uber home. I got home safely, changed into my pajamas, uh, put on a show that I have become obsessed with called Unreal. I was watching that on Amazon. Uh, I turned the oven on to make some, some kind of a late night snack for myself. Went into my bedroom while the oven was heating up and I, I had put vegetarian pizza patties from Trader Joe's in the oven. Uh, well, I fell asleep watching Unreal in my bedroom with the lights on. I did not turn the oven off. Fell asleep. Woke up the next day. My apartment smelled a bit bizarre. I grabbed my phone. I had a few texts from my neighbor, and my neighbor's texts uh, were as follows. Uh, hey, your light's on in your apartment, and I see your car's here, and the smoke detector has been going off for about an hour. Is everything okay? Then a follow-up text a few hours later. Hey, sorry about all the drama. Uh, you know, better to be safe than sorry. Ha <laughs> ha. So I get these texts, go into my kitchen, see that my oven door is open, the oven is off. Two uh, overcooked charred vegetarian pizza patties from Trader Joe's are on my sink. My sink was filled with dishes, by the way. I'm ashamed. Um, I just don't like doing dishes. I call my neighbor immediately being like, oh my God, what happened? And she told me that 
Uh, apparently, my smoke detector went off, was going off for an hour. They were banging on my door to make sure I was okay. My beautiful, wonderful downstairs neighbors, I didn't answer. To be safe, uh, you know, on the safe side, they called the fire department. Fire department showed up. Four fire trucks showed up. Uh, I slept through all of this. The fire department, the firemen, let themselves in uh, via my balcony, um, walked in, turned the oven off, took care of the situation. wasn't enough carbon monoxide or smoke or anything to, like, kill me. Um, and they left the door to my oven open so I would know that they were there or had been there and the patties on the sink and then let themselves out and say goodbye to my neighbors and told my neighbors that I was okay. Well, the weird thing was I said to my neighbors when I was on the phone with them the next morning, I went, that is so bizarre. I can't believe I slept through all of that. I didn't even have that much to drink. I didn't take an Ambien. I didn't take a sleeping pill. Did I get roofied? But also, why wouldn't the firemen wake me up to take my vitals or just make sure I'm okay? Why would they let me sleep through all that? So I called the fire department and I went, hey, I'm, you know, thank you so much. Can you just tell me what happened? Turned out I did wake up. They, they knocked on my bedroom door. Um, my light was on and I think my computer was still going with the show. Uh, and I apparently I woke up panic stricken and was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. What are you doing here? What are you doing here? Get the fuck out of here. Get the fuck out of here. So they were like, you're okay. And they knew I was okay. I was alive. There wasn't enough smoke to hurt me or anything. And I, I woke up in a panic, rightfully so. And they let themselves out and said goodbye to my neighbors and said that I was okay. But I don't remember any of this. But I do remember the dream I was having when all this was happening. I, was, I dreamt that I, and nobody, I know, nobody likes to hear a person's dreams. I get it, but indulge me. I remember my dream. I don't remember what actually happened in real life, but in my dream state, I remember having a dream that a friend came over to my house uh, and I didn't want her there and she invited a bunch of her friends over and they were breaking stuff and things were crashing down, like mirrors and whatnot. And I was like, get out, get out. I don't want you in my house. I don't want you in my house. Which is apparently what I was saying to the firefighters, which is, so this is crazy on so many levels. Was I roofied? Uh... I'm definitely taking a break from drinking, even though I didn't drink at, that much at all. This is a complete crazy fluke, but it's terrified me. Um, I'm thankful for my neighbors. They are my angels looking out for me. I'm so glad they took care of me and did this. Um, was I roofied? And it's crazy. I can remember my dream. That's terrifying. Who knows what we subconsciously just choose not to remember or don't, just what? Oh my God. And the fireman saw my vagina, I'm sure. I wasn't wearing underwear. Oh, my God. I mean, it's not like I was, like, parading around the neighborhood nude. It's like I was in my apartment. I didn't expect this to happen. I didn't know I was going to have visitors. And also, I had firemen in my house, and I, I totally missed it. I totally slept through it. I can't, or, 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 you know, or just don't remember it and wasn't dressed uh, accordingly or properly. Anyway, so that's insane. Uh, that crazy fucking insane story aside, um... Oh, I hope I wasn't roofied, but I think I have been just very exhausted, but that's just crazy. Nothing like this has ever happened to me before, and it's bizarre, and I talked about it on my Snapchat, and a lot of people were like, that's happened to me too, I was, I'm just a deep sleeper, or, or that happened to me, and I was just in such a deep uh, slumber. So maybe there's that. Maybe I was just very, very tired. Um, that aside, here's something exciting. This Saturday, my short film will be screening at CineFamily in Los Angeles on Fairfax. Uh, please come and support 
the event. It's uh, it's being thrown by the Women of Cine Family, um, sponsored by BB Dakota. My short film. The event starts at twelve thirty in the afternoon. My short film will screen at two thirty, but I think you have to be there for the entire event. There will be a brunch in between the panel discussion at the beginning and my short film after the brunch. Um, I'm very excited. I'm terrified. I did I did a, I did a sound test, a sound check at Cine Family today. Uh, I am topless in my short film, and uh, I. I just, you make something and you don't really imagine, you know, when you're so in the doing of something, I don't think, I mean, I didn't, I didn't think about people really seeing it. I was just wanting to make something that I liked and was maybe okay and good or whatever. It was a cathartic experience for me. It's about a breakup and obsession and it's like a dark comedy or whatever. And uh, yeah, now my boobs are out on the screen, but it's more than that. Hopefully people will come out. Hopefully you'll come out. It's this Saturday, August 20th. Be there, Cine Family, Los Angeles. It's such a wonderful, wonderful theater. I'm so crazy excited and honored that something I made is going to play on the screen at Cine Family. It's 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 just makes me want to burst into tears in a in a beautiful, uh, you know, sentimental way. So be there. Go to cinefamily.org for all the details and to buy tickets. And uh, yeah, now. I'm going to be quiet uh, so you can listen to my conversation with writer, director, and friend, big brother extraordinaire, uh, Gil Kennan. And let me just say, you should follow him on Instagram and Twitter at Gil Kennan. And uh, if you like the show and you like me and you want to take our friendship off to another level, let's be friends on all social media as well. Uh, you can find me on Snapchat, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, at Alexi Wasser. And if you like the show and it makes you feel less alone or laugh or brings you any kind of happiness or whatsoever, whatever it is, tell all your friends. And I would really appreciate it if you would rate the show, subscribe on iTunes, and uh, leave a comment. It helps the show grow and just keep on going. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to be quiet. Enjoy my conversation with Gil Kennan. Now entering Nerdist.com. Is it recording now? Yeah. Fuck. Okay, cool. Do you usually record the... Yeah. This is a... Is that ethical? Yeah. Oh, okay. I mean, when you tell the person and they're like, great, that sounds amazing. Um, Oh, man. Should we redo the whole thing? No, we don't need to. Okay, hear me walking. Yeah, okay. We had a little bit of technical difficulty. We don't need to shine a spotlight on it. I knew you were mad at me, Aristotle. I can't believe it. Is this true? Wait, is this the way you guys (laughs) passive-aggressively act out again? I I don't know. I I have a lot of internal dialogue when it comes to my producer, Aristotle. I, uh, we'll talk about that later. I will get into that. <laughs> I can't think of a better topic for the next hour. No. About so I'm you. sitting here. Okay, you just walked up the stairs. Very exciting. Um, yeah. Don't forget, you gave me my free press juicery juice. Thank you so much, Gil Kennan. Okay, hold on. If you're going to name names, I'm going to need to save my receipt and go after them later oh, listen, for placement. Don't think I won't go there and be like, uh, hi, I have a podcast on the Nerdist Network. Uh, hashtag press juicery. Hashtag free juice. Oh hashtag Alexi Fuel. <laughs> Alexi Fuel. Oh, my God. By the way, uh, what happened when we uh, accidentally had a little bit of technical difficulty at the top of this show, uh, what you missed is Gil walking up the stairs, <laughs> me sliding open in, uh, I don't know, late 70s, early 80s, uh, sliding glass door, right? Oh, right. I thought you were describing your outfit. <laughs> me casually looking effortlessly chic. <gasps> effortlessly chic. That's my language. <laughs> how do you know these? Did I learn this from you when I was a teenager? The do you remember? Pre- I mean, 
Do you remember that I knew you when you were like in grade school? Yes. I basically raised you. I think you did. To be the fine, upstanding woman that you are today. Oh my God. Yes, I want to talk about all of that. Wait, make sure I want to make a make sure we're getting because sometimes I'm louder than the guests. I'm super loud. You are good. Yeah. Just making sure. I don't want to miss out on any of the yeah. stuff you're going to say about me. Okay. <laughs> um, and I have a whole diatribe. I know how this works. That. I've listened to other episodes. <laughs> uh, I know. So yeah. So you are the one who uh, you're. you're what, what were you saying about Mark Polanski? That you're responsible for the end of a very happy. I'm, I can't go there. Okay. I really. I was about to go there. It was a really funny joke. I walked in and was like, "Good job, Alexi. You know they're separated now." And Alexi was like, "Really?" And yeah. then I was like, "No." And she said, "No, really?" And I said, "No." And then I saw you look a little bit crestfallen and a little crestfallen? and a little relieved. <laughs> I didn't People. wreck a relationship. Here's the thing. So Gil Ken in here, and we'll get to who he is and what he's all about momentarily. And then like the whole hour goes by and it's just like a prelude, a prelude to an interview that never happens. But uh, so you, Gil, texted me out of the blue. I was excited. I was the DMV. I get this text and you're like, do you want to have Peter Dinklage on your show? And I'm like, do I? Do I ever? And you're like, and this is a director guy named Mark Polanski. I'm like, sure, sure. He can come too. So what happens? <laughs> what happens is... No Peter Dinklage, yeah. just Mark Blansky. The most infamous episode of this uh, yet-to-really-develop podcast uh, ever um, because he was a little bit withholding <laughs> and uh, the internet didn't appreciate him. I think he's fine. Um, and, then and, he, and then you get a divorce, you say? I, I because mean, of it? I, yeah. I think you opened up a box that can't be closed. That's exciting. Um, so, hi. Hi. Good to see you. Good to see you, too. So... I am not framing this as a date because you were married. You were happily married. I will never do that again after that Mark Polanski mishap. Um, I didn't do that with David Lowry, though, either. Although, honestly, don't you feel like there's some... Sexual chemistry between us? Yeah. <laughs> there's some audience energy. Like, they, I think they sort of get off on the idea of you as a, um, as a, as a relationship weapon who... Um, points at the at the guests who come in, yeah. and challenges their happiness. Really? I mean, I they... feel like there's probably like there's probably a, a very sordid sort of gallows humor, relationship gallows humor component of the audience. Oh wow! That that probably uses sees this as a spectator sport. Have you only listened to the to the Mark Polanski <laughs> episode though? Because if you're if you're thinking all of that and you've only heard that episode, yeah. Have you only heard that episode? Yeah. What else should I listen to? All the other good ones. <laughs> anyway, how did we meet? Um, I I mean, we met at the smell. We did. We met at ancient, ancient smell, North Hollywood. We okay. Remind me of everything. Refresh my memory because all I remember is uh, is only already having known you and you. I just always looked up to you. You've well, always been well, clearly. You've always been very stylish. You've always been so confident and grounded in yourself and just like self actualized. I don't know, just very like still and confident. Oh, that's you've, funny to hear. I mean, I think when we met. Um, I'm pretty sure it was at a show at the Smell. What show? Um, details. I mean, maybe like, um, click a tat ikatawi <gasps> or something like that. I feel like we saw some. I think it was like something like that. I was 15 but, years old, right? Yes, 15 years old. Yeah. Okay. And even then, I mean, even though um, I think I was only, a few, I mean, I have no idea how many many years <laughs> the older I am but it definitely felt like a different generation yeah but I think we became friends um right away and also I think that you were um into 
Um, you were officially already like into drummers. I think you may have been wearing a shirt, like only drummer dater, only drummer dater.com. Funny how Aristotle, my producer here, uh, who's playing Pokemon, I think. Are you? <laughs> yes, you are. Let me see. Let me see. Black screen. That's racist. Anyway, okay. <laughs> He's a drummer. Um, <clears throat> Oh, that's the knowing. That's the knowing smile. It's the knowing nod. Now He's I like, understand why he unplugged my mic right when I walked in. It's like a pointed act. Um, oh my god! But so, so I think I think that somehow you very clearly needed a ride or something to get back home. Maybe even Jim or someone was like, "This runaway teen here lives a few blocks away. <laughs> Can you give her a ride home?" We're worried about what she'll do. Oh, my God. And so a few of us elders got together. Elders? The, el- the elder clan. The elders of the smell. Oh, my God. Um, and um, and we became friends right away. Why did you never fall in love with me? I mean, Too much? I, I make really good choices about about the people that I'm supposed to be with. I've been with the same amazing woman for 13 years. Yeah. I, like, you're a great girl and we're not meant to have ever dated okay great that's what i think too i was just asking yeah but i mean crestfallen i mean i think that it's really important to know to know who you are supposed to be with yeah i feel like i really part of you said i was confident earlier part of that is just like really trusting intuition oh really i think so are you not good at that no i think i am well if you think about it then i don't think you are no i you am how dare look you look me in the eyes and say i am i am so uh, intuitive okay. i trust my intuition i really do yeah i really do um yeah wow 13 years of the same woman mm-hmm. how did you guys meet um, we met, remember Manny's Bakery? Yes. That place is just, I don't like was, that place. No, it was a vehicle for us to meet. It was not like, it was not a good place yeah. to eat. Or, ve- and you're vegan, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Aristotle's vegan. All right. Good job, Aristotle. How cool is that? We're, yeah. back, we're back to being friends. Okay, good. Um, <laughs> He's not trying to sabotage me anymore. Um, but um, yeah, so uh, so we met through Mike Runyon. He yeah. introduced. You remember that guy? I do. Yeah. What he, band is he in right now? Phases? Uh, a band called Phases? He's in a band called Phases. Shout out to Mike Runyon. Yeah. Um, All right. So he introduced us. Yeah. Okay. And I, I feel like I had to sit down with your, with your wife. Yeah. And I met her somehow, maybe with Mike Runyon at Whole Foods, and she just moved to Los Angeles. And I remember even then, pre me having like a relationship driven uh, <laughs> blog, I remember I, I feel like I gave her unsolicited advice about living in Los Angeles and how she was going to be okay and she's going to meet the man of her dreams. And so I feel like she, yeah, she was a. Wait, before we met? Before you met her. Oh, I kind of believe that. Yeah. And yeah. I feel like I gave her this like unnecessary pep talk that I felt was great. Wait, for... are you taking credit for <laughs> our successful marriage? I just want to be clear. That's exactly what I'm doing. Even though I chalk one up in Alexi's <laughs> victory column. Even though I went on a date with her brother, and now I think. Uh, oh, I didn't even. I didn't even remember that. Well, that was me acknowledging that you and I are, you know, are really like we we hang out, we do well together, we get along. I really like. I think you're super smart. I really like talking to you, mm-hmm. and I was trying to get you in my family. I don't think that's asking too much. I think that's beautiful. Yeah, I was, was like, it wasn't a match. You no, were like what? No. You're no. like, what now? I didn't say I'm intuitive about other people. I know. Yeah, just myself. What is going on with you? I want to know so all the stuff. Okay, so we met at the smell. You gave me a ride, and from then on out. But we then just... we stayed friends for a while. You dated a succession of drummers, some of them I was friends with. Other, like, other people, I, like, I, there were stretches where I didn't see you for maybe five years. Yeah. 
Um, did you stay in L.A. the whole time? Uh, no, I moved to New York right. for a moment. And I lived in Tokyo for a bit. Nice. I, I want to cool. do that. Very cool. Wait, I, th- I think you could. I think you should. Really? Yeah. I got to figure that out because I don't even think, I don't even know what's going on in Tokyo. How's your Tokyo fan base? My Tokyo fan base? Yeah. Uh, there's a party of seven. <laughs> I don't should, know. Should we grow it in this episode? I and would find, love, I know. How do we find them? I want to find a community in Tokyo to, to go and move in with. We, we just stay with them for free. Mm. Yeah. Um, anyway, but so, um, so yeah, I mean, we've, we've kind of stayed in touch all these years. Um, I, I mean, in some ways, like. I've kind of stayed here. I've gone away to make movies, and um, we can talk about those or not. Yeah. Um, But since we met, the the smell has kind of stayed its course. Obviously, there's been a lot of drama with that lately. The smell closed down. It hasn't closed down. They had like a big, they had a big um, scare a few months ago because they got a demolition notice randomly out of nowhere on a Monday morning. Was it a prank? No, it's dead serious. How and it's be, okay. and it is still serious. Like the building will be demolished, but the time frame's a little bit fluid right now. So I actually just the most recent thing I shot. That's which, like a metaphor for life. I mean, we're all going to be demolished. But there's also the other side of that story, which is that the smell is like a movable feast, <laughs> and it's the scene a that. Movable feast. And so you can take it and take the kids and the music and move it to another place, and it'll all be fine. Hmm. Like it, you know, it was in North Hollywood, and it was the same people. And I was there when it opened. I was with RG and Ara, Jarrett, and Jim and Jarrett. Yeah, of course, Jim. Do you know all those people? Yeah, I mean, still. Well, Jim is the one that I mostly stay in stay in touch with. Why did he have such follow through? He, you know, some people just point at something and then just do it. Yeah, like it's, me and drummers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> amazing. Thank you. And uh, okay, what you guys can't see is I, I will take a photo and uh, possibly post it on the interweb. But uh-huh. uh, Gil's wearing a hat, a baseball cap that says Reseda on it. You're such a proud. Okay, so wait, born in London, moved to Tel Aviv. Yeah. Landed in Reseda. Right. And now you have some... How did that happen? And uh, by the way, this, this is a tangential journey we're going on. Okay. Mm-hmm. I hope you can handle that. I'm, I'm, I know you can. I mean, I can go with it. I thought you were talking to the, the loyal listeners. Um, I Look, Someone, I'm, yeah. I'm proud. I mean, I, I feel like... First of all, this, is, this hat I, I made... I was in New Orleans for a few weeks. Um, I directed an episode of Scream that was actually super fun. Really? Yeah, really. Like Scream with, for a network? For MTV. Or MTV, okay. Yeah. Oh, Ty West did one of those too. Yeah, he did. Yeah. Yeah. And um, uh, yeah, they. it's it's a fun show because they kind of just let you go to New Orleans and shoot something and the cast is super cool. And it was is really- Bella was, Thorne is on that show? Mm, she was on the She's first, dead now, who cares? Yeah, Doesn't she matter. Died. Fuck her. Yeah, yeah all right. I mean, the, you, you can't get too attached to anyone. But um, in life. Another metaphor, yeah. No, no, oh my this, god! So many kernels. We're talking big picture here. <laughs> um, but um, I, I was there, and I was kind of the first. Excuse me, the first few days, I was kind of bored, and I found out that this dying mall next to my hotel. Had, I love malls and dying malls. Oh, you got to save them. <laughs> and there was one sad store that was like embroidery hats are us. And I walked in. I was going to go see some crappy movie and i walked in i was like if i just drew something and emailed it to you on my phone like could you put on a hat oh my god i need to write this down we got to do this you've got to go to new orleans what do we right do? away <laughs> and find the saddest small you can find and uh, chances are okay um but so i just drew something on my phone and sent it to them and i was like i'm gonna make a hat because i'm not um contrary to popular belief i'm not athletically inclined and so um and so there's all these you know basically hats like that 
you can commonly find are usually branded with some team or another. Yeah. So I, I realized that it's um, not for you. It's not for me. And the best I can do is, um, you know, wear some wear some Civic San Fernando Valley pride. I love it. Why? And you're just so proud of Reseda because you really enjoyed living there, or uh, or you think it's I mean, hilarious? Is it ironic? Because you're very it's, it's on your post, Twitter. It's, it's post ironic. Post. What is that? Well, what, I mean, what the because, fuck does that mean? I mean, it's because it's it's it can't be ironic because I lived there for like a huge chunk of my life. You're it's labeling not, it to hide your fear of the it's fact not, that you love Reseda. Or I'm genuinely proud of having grown up in a place that actually has like a weird soul in the middle of a giant nameless valley. You know, this makes me want to go to. Reseda right after this. I love I love the driving to the valley. You and I were both yeah, I just I love the valley. Keep yeah. Going. And and I and I'm still really happy that I left and like will never go back. And where do, I feel, where do you live now? In Hollywood. Okay. I feel really good about that decision because I spent so much of my life there. But it's still, you know, it's like I think it's important to acknowledge your roots. Like your NoHo, right? Ugh, Is that what it was? NoHo. Yeah. The North Hollywood. No arts district. <laughs> So embarrassing. No, no, I was born, by the way, I picked up my press juice that Gil got me, and then he did it. He picked this up, too, and now we're both drinking it like idiots. Just what like the fuck, listeners want to know. Like fucking fronter <laughs> posers with a U. So, obviously, you, you edit the first half hour, and then the thing begins, no, right? No, no. We're talking about all of this. I'm, I'm, I'm bummed the, the beginning part got cut out. I'm happy to walk out and just start this whole thing over. <laughs> really? Okay. <laughs> But then, what 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 happened when we uh, when we re met at death camp? Oh yeah, there was the death camp part. Did you talk to you had Dallas on as a guest? I right? Dallas. Are you going to link on the podcast right now so someone can jump over to that? Just push push your phone right now. What are you unhappy with about this podcast? Everyone, shake your phone. <laughs> hold your phone a few inches from your face and shake it, and it'll automatically take you to Dallas. Um. Anyway, what? You're the host. Are you not happy with this podcast episode so no, far? No, I'm thrilled. I'm loving it. This is called tangential living. This, this is how people interact. This is just life. People are excited to eavesdrop on this moment. They'll never meet you. Um, You're fucking at the top of the chain in Tinseltown. <laughs> like, they're never going to talk to you. You're not Reseda anymore. Come on, please. And by the way, I lived in NoHo for a moment, North Hollywood. Yeah. But I was born and raised in West Hollywood on Fountain and Kings Road. My bus stop is outside of this, uh, used to be outside of this uh, comic book store, Gardner Street Library. Oh, right. I'm a Hollywood latchkey kid, okay? I think I think I knew that, too. And, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, man. Oh, so here's where I'm going with this. Okay, so then we, we re-met mm-hmm. at, at this thing called Death Camp, which, which I think sounds very politically incorrect, but it was like this weird... Um, what was this? It was kind thing? of like collective. a silkscreen collective at the beginning, which is a weird... We, it's, it's very... Period appropriate. Yeah, you think back to I think what they were really doing at the beginning. What were they doing? They were silk screening. I, I, I'm pretty sure. I mean, even though there were a bunch of artists from a lot of different walks of life, a lot of a lot of like actors, writers, musicians. But I, I feel like the um, the main bread and butter was silk screening zines and T-shirts and, and tote stuff. bags or something. It's, yeah, yes. and and so I think that that's how they kind of like that's what everyone did, but. There were plenty of other things going on like these. Were you with the writer-actor yes. thing? So yes. those were really fun. That was insane. So, yeah. Okay, so yeah, there's this thing that Dallas Clayton and Mike Runyon, but mainly Dallas Clayton, yeah. would, would have these like weekly gatherings uh, for, yeah, for this, uh, at, at their really shitty... Uh, filthy apartment yeah, in West no, Hollywood. Th- it's objectively filthy it's and shitty. It's disgusting. Do you remember the kitchen? 
Oh my god, just like a cesspool. Did you describe that last week? No. I can't believe that would have been the way to start the conversation. Well, uh, it's weird. I, I recorded it. This, uh, whatever. No, we never. We so never basically, for for those listening, this was just like a run of the mill Hollywood apartment, but it was occupied by people without a concern for hygiene. Yeah. And so they they had this concept that was kind of a like I think it was a almost like an art project at the beginning where nobody was going to clean the kitchen. But then it became more than that. They decided that the entire kitchen space was going to be a garbage can. Oh, my God. And so by the end, they were just, whenever somebody had finished eating something, they would just throw what was left over into the kitchen space. Yeah. And it kind of just filled in from the back to the front. And it then... Was, it was dramatic. And that's how they kind of... And then they had, like, sp- a spray... I mean, really, they it sounds pretty jerky it's gross. <laughs> you think about the landlords having to clean it but then they moved to this really nice house in atwater and we're kind of the first atwater people in a way the first atwater they invented people. atwater they invented atwater yeah, yeah and it was called uh, death camp we would meet once a week and it was like you me steve barra shannon sossaman oh who's the other girl like the uh oh well, god Je- jenny furches jen furches mm-hmm. uh who's now married to roman Cop- coppola mm-hmm but is that what she's known for? I mean, that's horrible to say that. No, she's. I mean, she was amazing. Oh, she was such she's a, a special a girl. Great musician. Yeah. Oh, she. But she doesn't do music anymore. I don't know. This is not about her. Yeah. But also, oh God, who's uh, who's the girl who uh, she was in the? Oh God, that girl. Who? Actress girl Jenna Malone. Oh yeah. Oh, I remember. And so we would all write scenes for each other, and we would like, and then we would like, act out these scenes in front of one another and critique our acting. And the and, great like, thing was that we would write the scenes there mostly. Yeah. I feel like we would sort of break into groups and write it. It sort of just sounds. This is probably what all actors do. No, this I've is never bizarre. taken actor classes. Yeah. So. Um, how did you end up in the scene, though? How did you meet? Because I met Dallas at like outside of Largo selling zines, and I kept running into him at Whole Foods, and then they all came together. How did you meet this group of people? I think through Dean and Randy. Oh, no, um, the, no yeah, age. Yeah, the, the no age guys, and then um, and then I met Dallas like outside selling zines, yeah. and we started talking and became friends. Well, because you have a haircut, and we have a quick, we've got to do this podcast quick and jump to everything, right? Like talking about my haircut. Uh. <laughs> Wait, let me see your hair underneath that it's, cap. It's great. And you're going to be see. like, why would you get a haircut? I'm sure it I will so be. Good. Hold on, wait. Yeah, why are you getting a haircut? It looks so, it looks good. so good. It's summer. Just summer. It's just summer? Yeah. You have not aged a day, by the way. I know. I'm amazing. How do you do it? Creme de la mer? Oh, press juicery. <laughs> you don't have to say the brand name every time. <laughs> why? Yes, you do. That's what they want you to do at press juicery. <laughs> the good folks at press juicery don't care one lick. Wait, do you do, yeah, do you do drugs at all or you never did drugs? No, I do some drugs. You do? But, yeah, but not like... Mushrooms? Have, should I, I do want mushrooms? to. I want you to. Oh my God. I'm really bummed out because I, I wonder if I missed the, missed the train on psychedelics. But I really, I mean... You have to get on, on a train yeah, the, to do psychedelics? The choo-choo, choo-choo mushroom train. What have you done? Um, just, I just like, just weed, just pot. Oh, really? You like pot? It's so That's shocking to Sometimes, me. Sometimes. Not, I don't, I wouldn't go to the, like, extreme that I like it, but yeah. I, but I, I, you know, I think it's totally fine. I, I actually do much better with that than I do with alcohol. Oh. Like, I'm actually not super into alcohol. Into alcohol. How often do you drink? Mm, like, once a week or oh, once yeah. every 10 days or Is something. That, that's exactly how much I drink. Yeah, so look that at us. That is enough. Look and at us. And we're both ageless. Living our lives. Uh. And everyone wonders how we do it. All the answers are coming out. But, no. um, but yeah, so um, 
I, I don't know. That could be a whole other conversation because honestly, I do feel like, oh, there might be a part of my brain that would totally come alive and be amazing if I did crazy hard drugs. Well, yeah, because you seem very creative. You draw. Yeah. Yes. I, I still draw all you the time. St- you draw. Yeah. And you write. Wait. I write. And you write. But wait, have you ever directed something besides your UCLA thesis film, Lark, which I was in, right? Um, wasn't I in that? Did I get cut out? You were not in it. Wait, why was, why? What are you talking wait, about? Wait, wasn't I painted in, blue? That was a different movie. In, in, oh, sorry. Yeah. Oh, sorry. God. God forbid I should think that one time when I worked for on some weird college project for you where I was painted blue and left to sit around and wait. It's so funny that you mentioned that. I actually was holding the <laughs> film reel this morning. I was looking for something specific in my garage this morning. Very cool. And not that cool, but but relevant to you. <laughs> so cool. you might like the story. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Um, so I was holding this film reel for this short Livia that I made. You Livia. know what? I'm going to send you, I'm going to hold the, the film up and take a still of it okay. and send it to you so you can make an addendum to this podcast. Oh my God. I'm going to Instagram, tweet, and Facebook. Yeah. That's so hard. The internet will not know it hit them. Wait till you see it. The makeup, I remember being a bit shoddy. It was like, so I painted you blue. It was a recreation of one of my favorite Roman stories. Do you, This is the time in the podcast when you do a little Roman story, right? Oh, yeah. Okay, great. <laughs> Hit it. <laughs> um, yeah, let's go ahead and play the Roman intro music. Aristotle just hung himself. He lost a Pokemon. <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> okay, um, now it's, By the way, the conversation is going great now. I feel like finally it's we got to rev work. it up. Well, I'm, I'm actually moving faster than normal. Usually okay. it, it, it hits, a, hits, hits its stride at like an hour and 45 minutes in. But we've got to get you out of here for that haircut. <laughs> um, <laughs> Here we go. So the story is the story of Livia, who um, this guy, Luculus, was in love with her and wanted to impress her. And she wasn't into him. She was younger. He was older and fatter and richer and grosser. And he couldn't figure out how to get to her. And so he finally was like, look, let me just throw you this big dinner and you come over. And I'm, uh, it's like the least I can do. It's a gesture of my appreciation. I want so she, that. That so sounds she, nice. Yeah, you did, you had that. I brought you in. I painted was I you Livia? blue. You were Livia. I was Livia? <laughs> and, and and now it takes 10 years for you to find uh, 15. So um, so you come in. Um, she 20. came in. Uh, he served her this dinner, all these courses. And then she's like, okay, great. I'm like, I appreciate it. Thank you. He's like, hold on. You got to wait for the final course. This is the one we've all been waiting for. And he brings out this cage of birds. And they're all chirping. And he's like, listen to what they're saying. And they're all going like, Livia, Livia, Livia. And he's like, that's it. Like, they since they were hatched we've trained them to only say one word it's livia and um and now we're going to take them back into the kitchen and they go back in the kitchen anyway like 10 minutes later this pie comes out and he's like my my chef cut out each of their ties uh tongues with a pair of scissors oh my god and now we bake them in a pie for you mm-hmm. and isn't that the most romantic thing in the world that those tongues have only ever uttered one sound and that's your name and i think it worked like she was totally like yes i, I will, said yes i will olivia <laughs> The character in the story said yes. That was my character. Did I play that character? Yeah. I can't believe it. Mm. Can I just say I was in Lark? Because that's mentioned on your Wikipedia page. That's incredible. So did you get an A? On Livia? Oh, yeah, yeah. It was like above and beyond. Okay, so then... So now we got to take our listeners on this journey Mm -hmm. quickly to how you became... I mean, you're at Death Camp. You hadn't made Monster House yet, right? No. What what and then you made some short film. I never made it. I got paired and put in a horrible group and of uh, nobody made anything in my group to make a short film at, at death camp. You made some short film with them about and it was great, right? I did. I, I don't know. know. Whatever. Who cares? I don't think so. Whatever. But uh, okay. So anyway, I was at UCLA at the same time. Like while I was going to death camp, I you was were at UCLA. I was I was at film school. Oh, and so 
that kept going. And you made Lark then? I made Lark then, okay. and I made your film there. Remember yes. we even shot at UCLA? That yes, might, I remember that. that might enter no, I remember that. Mind. I remember sitting at a table. I remember being blue. Mm. I'm just saying. So you made Lark afterwards. And then um, the Lark ended up getting me sort of my foot in the door. It how was, did this happen? So you know, had it, it did you, and you didn't have representation. You were how old at the time? I was 20... Um, 22. 22 years yeah. old at UCLA. 23, I guess. I, so I got, yeah, I know, because it was grad school. So, 23 years old, yeah. grad school, UCLA. So make I, this, what is Lark about? Um, Lark is about a um, dysfunctional relationship where um, a, a creature enters the dynamic mm-hmm. and helps the, um, the battered wife in the dynamic turn the tables so this bird enters her life again bird yeah what is it with you and birds it was just a moment in time all right you know early 2000s Let's relax okay. um, all right. and um and so this thing comes into her life and begins to change and grow and sort of takes on the form of another another adult in the house uh-huh. and um and finally murders the husband Okay. And so it was really, um, really strange that that's the way that I got my foot in the door in Hollywood because it's a really weird movie. And um, I think it's on YouTube so people can, like, watch. Check it out. The ins- you Don't know, listen like- to the Dallas Clayton episode, okay? Go to YouTube and watch Lark. Oh, wait. So, oh, yeah. And that was animated, It was right? Yeah, partially animated. Partially animated. Yeah. So it was a real actor's animated bird, animated environment. And, and part of the reason that I think it ended up helping me get Monster House, which was this thing that was being um, – that was sort of percolating between Robert Zemeckis and Steven Spielberg. It was based on a script that Rob Schraub and Dan Harmon wrote. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't realize they wrote that. Yeah, so they came up with this crazy... I think they went through a bunch of concepts. It was like shoes that are good at math. Like, what? Like a horse that becomes the mayor, a house <laughs> that eats children. And, and they were like, hold on, go back to that last one. And um, and they wrote this amazing script, and um, but but it was still like I think that there was a problem with trying trying to figure out how to make the house a character, and that was one of the things that I did in my short mm-hmm. was I was like really concerned about making the environment a character in the story, oh. and that in the environment was in, was like animated and moved and had emotion, so I think that was why. So I ended up getting that, and then um, and then I spent years working on Monster House. So it was like over three year oh, process. Really? Yeah. And uh, but but wait, so you made the short film. How did it get in the hands of somebody at CAA? So the film won this award at UCLA, and they screened it for you know when they say like industry, mm-hmm. um, and there was actually industry in the audience. Oh my god! And somebody came up to me afterwards and was like, "Yeah, this guy Jordan Belmere came up to me and handed me a card and was like." Um, I'm at CA. I really like your movie. Can we get a copy of it? Oh my god! And it happened super weirdly quickly. Yeah. Like you basically got a copy of it. Made he made a bunch of copies and sent it around. Yeah. And within a few days, I was signed. And Does that he, was and he's your, yeah. your, your, your agent. No, oh, they was? ended up. They ended up. Um, his the guy he worked for. This guy David Stein ended up um, retiring from agenting. So then I moved, and I'm, I've been with the same people for a while now. Oh my god! So you uh, and and what was that like for you? Okay, so you're working three years on this project. You all of a sudden you're you're. What was it like to sit down and meet Steven Spielberg and yeah, Robert? Smith? Well, it was it was it was intense. I mean, it's like it can be really scary when you think about it. But it was also like first of all, I met with Zemeckis first, and. I'm a huge Back to the Future nerd. Yeah. It's probably the most perfect 
film for me. It's it's definitely in my like top five favorite films. Yeah. So I was really super excited to meet with him. Um, and I was kind of still like in this phase. I just read Monster House and I just had a billion ideas. I started drawing everything down. And because I had these drawings, I felt a little bit protected. Like I came in, I was like, I know what this thing looks like. Oh, wow. And so I held the, the drawings up. And I think that that really made me have more confidence than I should have. Yeah. But that kind of worked. Yeah. Um, and uh, so I think that I think it was always like. I think they were super rad about it. They were always extremely mentory and. What was Steven Spielberg like? Like, it was crazy. Like, I screened my animatic for Monster House. And animatic is when you do storyboards and then put them together with sound and voice so you can get a sense of what the movie is going to be like. And it's important to do that with animation because it takes so long to do every little thing. You want to know that you've got the whole story working out. So I did all that and. My first um, real, like, full working meeting with Spielberg, I, we ended up going into this theater. It was me, him, and Zemeckis, and I screened this animatic, and we just sat down in this theater for an hour and a half and watched it, and the lights came up and had a conversation about it for an hour or something. And yeah. It was, like, so insane, talking about E.T. and Goonies oh, and my God. Jaws. It was, like, it was insane. And so you made this movie. Were you? Were there, are there any like, horror stories that nobody knows about, or internal struggle? Like, were, were... no, I think that like it's one. It was that was. I'll give you lots of horror stories later on, but that okay. was like one of the moments where I think I, I'll never have that again. Where so many things just like lined up, lined up. Holy shit! It ended up. I mean, like any movie, you know, it fell apart a couple of times. There was a moment really close to the, to it shooting where it like stopped why uh just because the studio that it was originally at was like dreamworks and they couldn't make it because of some claws and so it sort of went nowhere for a bit and then and then columbia sony ended up picking it up but so like there's still crazy high stakes yeah disasters that for me were like the universe is over yeah i got so close and now it's gone but that happens with every movie. Were you living with your parents at the time? No, thank you very much. I was asking. Do I look like the kind of person who is always living with his parents? Some people, some people close to me think that I did live with my parents for a little bit too long. How, how long did you live with your parents for? I lived, I lived with my parents through undergrad. Um, so I <laughs> That's do nice. think, That's fine. Uh, I mean, I, is your brother still with your parents? Thank you. I mean, what is it about <laughs> us that puts off the energy? Because <laughs> you're, you're happy, good people who might oh. love your parents. I That's don't know. very sweet. Okay. Um, but um, no, my brother lives in Venice. He's super happy. Is he you married? Know, no, but his girlfriend, Claire Titleman, is this great comedian storyteller. All right. You should have her on. She's amazing. I, will, I would love to. Yeah, she's super funny. The wonderful thing about this show is like all of a sudden I keep making all these friends. Then it's like this bizarre tapestry of like people oh, yeah. who know each other. And then it just makes my life richer. And I have all these cool new friends. Oh, and is old, it? old friends and new friends. Right. Colliding. So there are actually new people on this show? It's yeah. not just uh, It's Alex, not just the dregs Alex of my past. Shaking out her pockets. <laughs> <laughs> on microphone. Oh, shaking, shaking out my pockets on microphones. No, I have amazing guests on here that I've never met before. And Aristotle orchestrates a lot of them. I had a, a cartoonist named Cena Grace hmm. on. Do you know who that is? No. He has this, uh, he's, he did this uh, comic book called, um, or what do you call it, a graphic novel called Self Obsessed and hmm. Not My Bag. He's great. Now I hang out with him uh, a lot. Aristotle, I'm just trying to get Aristotle to hang out with me on the Aristotle. weekends. He refuses. Um, but anyway, so the point is. All right, so that was all great. 
I didn't live with my parents didn't throughout parents. making Monster House. And you weren't dating. So when you were working, you just have like your head down and you're focused on work. And you, you've you never been like me. I, I, I have this weird idealistic idea. I put love on a pedestal. I'm always like I, I work and I'm career driven. But at the same time, I'm very like love. It's so important in my life. Well, I met I met Eliza while I was um, in the period right as I was starting Monster House. So oh, I didn't, oh. but I didn't really have like it was just when I was sitting in an office with two other people, Steven we Spielberg, just, and yeah, uh, yeah, 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 and we were just sketching. So he would be like, "Can I borrow your pencil?" And I'm gonna go get your own pencil. Oh. This is my pencil. Stuff like <laughs> oh my that. God, S squared. Anyway, um, but did you ever date? Were you ever like a a dating person or have girlfriends or? I don't... I, yeah, I mean, I, I've always had girlfriends, but I, but I'm, but then I didn't, and then I was married. Married. I mean, what do you mean? You always date? I mean, did you? I feel like. I don't know. I, I just don't. You mean like was I girl. working the working the city, searching for conquests? I know that is the answer to that is no. Right. But you you've always just kind of been like a serial monogamist. And yeah, like, I'm 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 uh, monogamous. Um, but um, I'm you know yeah. I mean that's the answer. But I I'm actually surprised that we've taken this long to get to your relationships. And your approach to that stuff. Cause, what? Because I feel like when we text, usually like three, three comments in, it somehow shifts to like boys. Yeah, who you're dating? I'm, and I'm taking a year off from dating. Oh, okay, I'm taking a year off. I'm focusing on me. Is that a blog? No, I've not been blogging, but I think I'm going to start. <laughs> what? I, uh, a blog post? You mean? Press Juicer represents oh. year off. <laughs> The Alexi <laughs> It's my web story. series. It's called Year Off, and it's just me breaking my own rule every week. Um, right. Yeah. No, I'm taking a year off. I mean, I, I, I met somebody that I like. Uh-huh. It's, it's a long, long story. story. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a podcast. <laughs> That's my other podcast Aristotle produces. It's called It's a Long Story. <laughs> every episode is six hours. Um, okay, so then, so Monster House happened. Oh, what a great thing! You meet the love of your life. Yeah, uh, and now you have a you have a child. You have mm-hmm. a beautiful daughter. Mm-hmm. Looks oddly like me. <laughs> I mean, I feel like she's my fashion icon. This has been great, Alexi. Thank you so much. Have a great <laughs> no, day out there, everyone. <laughs> no, everyone in the world is shaking their heads right now. Listening Why? to this. No, it's not true. I'm just saying your daughter is uh Are you are you <laughs> suggesting that you gave birth to my daughter? No. Actually, that's not at all what I was saying. I was just saying I like her because she reminds me of me. Right. And, uh, do you have um, do do you have like um, oh my god Yakut tribe, um, which is like a Siberian tribe? Have you guys done DNA? Me and the guy that I like. No, <laughs> go do go do a DNA test. Okay. Don't joke around with that stuff. Okay. This is serious business. Okay. Because I bet you'll find some weird like <laughs> Russian Siberian tangent. That'll explain your Asiatic eyes. Oh, thank you. Yeah. No, I think that that's actually, my grandma has like really similar eyes to I you. do feel like, I've, if you look at Gil Kennan's Instagram page yeah. and you see uh, his beautiful daughter, I'm I'm sorry. I don't mean to toot my own horn, but I think I kind of look like your daughter. And I do take uh, my fashion nods. <laughs> From an eight-year-old. From an eight-year-old. Hey. Does this look like a mistake? Kinda, no. I'm totally dressed like Gil's daughter right now. Effortlessly chic. Effortlessly chic. <laughs> kind of French. Uh, okay. Anyway. Um, so Monster House happens. Mm-hmm. 
meet the love of your life. Mm-hmm. How do you how do you balance getting married and all that uh, and your and doing Monster House? Is that stressful? And what does your wife get mad at you for? What, what does she ever get mad at you? Or do you guys just, is it smooth sailing, no arguments ever? No, we have we have lots of arguments, oh, but good. but but it's a you know I mean okay. mostly it was like a process of how do you balance the two? Um, mostly because she's worked on movies and understands the investment and time and process and stuff um and because i was doing it i was doing that Mm -hmm. kind of stuff when we met and it's just like what my life is yeah but also i think i've gotten really good over the years at balancing um my life and my work and i think like learning about quality of life and making sure that that stuff like we took a few months this is going to sound super annoying but it, it, it was kind of really important to do um i had a movie fall apart um, oh no what movie this movie that i wrote a giant that would have been super good um and i might d- do again one day but it just got like we got really you know it was like I got so close to it, got really close to happening. And then when it fell apart, I was pretty crushed. And so we moved to Europe for a few months. You did? Yeah. We're in Europe. Well, we, we have family in Paris. So we were there for two months and then like traveled around for a bit. Yeah. And I think that that kind of that moment in my life and that trip reminded me that it was really important to keep that side of things in check. So I think that stuff makes us happy. And it'll continue to if we can keep that balance. What do you have to work on? None of my business. You don't have to answer any of these questions. But uh, are there things that come up or she's like, oh, I don't know. I just like to know dynamics in relationships. Again, none of my business. But, I think but we're tell a, me. We're, no, we're in a really good place. Yeah. Like, um, I think that. Um, You're you a know, great guy. I'm a, I'm a good guy. You are a good. You are yeah. a really good guy. Yeah. Thank you. Oh, wow. um, but anyway, so um, I I feel like that balance is is good, and um, and then the work stuff is. I mean, we're so lucky. We get to. I know you're. You just made a f- uh, short film, right? I did. I'm really excited to see it. Can I see it? Can I, can I email it to yeah, you? Yeah, of course. Oh my god, I'm, 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 here's what I'm struggling with. I don't know what if I should submit to festivals or if or if uh, that's not future, and if I should just like get it onto like. I don't know nowness and days right. and like websites, so I can use that to get financing for a feature. Um, I don't know what's what. I, I do. look uh, having made shorts, and I, I've never really had good luck with festivals? festivals, or I've never seen much back from that. When I say something back, I just mean like energy or audience or mindshare. Yeah. Um, I think that there's probably a good argument for you just putting the thing up. On the internet. And you have so many people that like you and want to see what you're up to. Oh, my God. Well, I'll send it to you. I'm so yeah. excited. This yeah. is great. Um, uh, I know. I want to ask you about uh, so many things here. Mm-hmm. Well, I want to go back to, like, your life journey. Mm-hmm. Um, what happened with, uh, with City of Ember? Well, How City of that... Ember was probably the most painful experience for me, other than that one that fell apart, because I... I I really loved making the movie. It was there was a great movie there, and the movie was totally taken from and, you, from me. And isn't that the case all the time? It's not. I mean, it happens a lot, but with that case, it shouldn't have. And there, it was done for reasons that are super boring. Basically, legal stuff. Like the company was sort of going out of business that made it. What company? It was Walden, and all the executives got fired, and a lawyer took over. 
And so it's not a really good situation when that happens, when there's like zero filmmaker people in, in charge. Executives are already bad enough, it seems like. And, and everybody wants to be part of this collaborative process. I mean, whatever. And anyway, so so that was super sad. The score was changed. They changed the cut. And they really like the soul of it was hurt. But it's still it's still something I'm really proud of. I love the cast and um, and I love the world of it. I just I know because I I saw it and there was a better film there. Um, but it's now I've like, you know, as I've sort of moved beyond it, I, I still keep it in a warm place. Yeah. It's not like some dark vault that I turned the key on. Well, OK. And then there's you did Poltergeist. Mm-hmm. How was that? That was actually super fun. Yeah. I mean, it was like really, you know, obviously people um, keep the the original Poltergeist in a sacred place. And I, and I do, too. Um, but making it and and putting it out there was actually a really, really fun experience. I, again, I had like the most amazing cast. I'm really lucky in that I've gotten amazing cast. That movie had Sam Rockwell, Rosemary DeWitt, Jane Addams, Jared Harris, um, some amazing kids. Um, and, uh, you know, with City of Ember, I had Saoirse Ronan, Bill Murray, Harry Treadaway, Tim Robbins. It's like cuckoo. How do you work with all these actors? Do you have some kind of like, you know, give me advice. If, if young filmmakers are, are listening to the show and they're like, well, you know, how important is it and how do you communicate with actors? Um, well, actually, strangely, the death camp stuff was really helpful. Really? Uh, but yeah, because that was my first time really working with other actors. So working with you and like Shannon and, and Jenna, it's true. Yeah. Um, no, you're great actors. Well, thank you. Yeah. Well, thank um, and so that stuff ended up giving me a sense of like how to talk to actors. Also being able to quickly write stuff because it doesn't matter oh. what you're working with. The, the scene will always really come alive in front of the cameras. So you always need to be able to kind of work with the actors to make the best version of what it is coming out of their mouth. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm just a fan. Like, I love I love the actors. And I get excited to work with them. And I think that that energy goes a long way. Do you have different approaches? Do you, do you like, I get a gauge on, like, what a certain actor might need? Like, if, uh, if like, a Tim Robbins needs one thing, or do you leave people alone? Or do people... No, I... I, I try to figure out what people need. I mean, some people need you to be like a strict dad. Oh, really? <laughs> and like kind of be a jerk to them, which is not cool. I don't like that one. Yeah. Um, but most of the time they just want you to be clear and to communicate. And I think that's the thing that like, you know, if there's one thing I've learned to be good at, it's to give clear messages to people. And so that works for crew or for writers or for actors or anything. You just, if you can tell them what you're looking for without using like colors or smells and things like that it's usually gonna lead to a happier dynamic do you uh do you have any horror stories i feel like you wouldn't give horror stories because you're a good guy i I do but i I, again i haven't made that many movies i've only made three features so the horror stories like you know the the worst stuff that's happened to me in making movies is when things are messed with because of corporate reasons or like, you know, suits trying to influence how one thing goes where I know that that's not in the best interest of the story. So with Monster House, City of Ember, Poltergeist, 
you didn't write any of these films. Right. So, and then the first movie you did write that was going to happen, that was a giant fell apart. Yeah. What's, wait. Although funny, I mean, it's funny because like the first. Oh, the Roll Doll. Wait, not Roll Doll. No, 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 no. That's the BFG. Oh, so what is, what was, oh, it was called Giant? Yeah, A Giant. A Giant. And it's, um, um, you'd like it. I'll send it to you just for fun. Yeah. Um, but it's this girl whose life falls apart. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> That's it. I can relate. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. really? No. <laughs> um, this, <laughs> this, um, this girl with bangs whose oh life God. falls apart. It's me! Okay. Um, so, um, this girl whose life falls apart who moves back home to, um, the house she grew up in, um, because she doesn't really have anywhere left to go and she can't stay in the room that she used to live in because her brother is now married and is about to have a baby. They've turned that room into a nursery. Yeah. So she has to move up into the attic and there's this window that looks down to the yard next door and there's these two old weird ladies who live next door. It's She's, like Beetlejuice meets Grey Gardens. She Keep sees going. them. She sees them doing all kinds of weird shit, and they're moving stuff around. She sees them butchering a tuna and like moving big pots and pans around on this weird railing system. And so she finally ends up following, like going across the fence, and she finds that behind that house um, is this giant wooden structure that's attached to the back of the house made up of all scrap woods and found parts. And she goes inside, she hears water and she kind of steps in a puddle. And when she steps in, she sees that there's this 18 foot tall man crouched down in there and he's being like hosed down by his mom and his aunt, the two older ladies. Yeah. And so the story is the relationship between this young woman and this 18 foot tall man, this guy who never stopped growing. And it's not animated. Mm-mm. It's not. Um, and no, and it's super grounded. Like that was grounded. the thing that got me really excited about writing it and making it. That it felt like, other than him never stopping his growing process, it's a it's a very, you know, it's it's almost like a document. And so it was like going to be shot very naturalistically yeah. and very very straightforward. Maybe it's a thyroid problem. I mean, that's kind of what he hints at. I, I bet it, I bet it is. I, yeah. I know all about that. I mean, who like, doesn't? <laughs> who doesn't? I, I, I had I had thyroid cancer when I was in my twenties. I think I knew that. I know all about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> that's why I'm so um, tall. Um, oh wait, so. All right, that- so so I've written actually a bunch. You that have. was the one that got closest, and that you're the to. most excited about. Um, well, I mean that one, but now I'm I'm writing a lot now. That's I, I've great. Been, I've been writing with Jason Reitman for the la- almost this whole year. Oh, really? Yeah, we're oh, wow. we're on our second script right now, and that stuff's going really well. How do you guys write? How did that come to be? You, um, you two writing together? How'd you meet? We've been friends a long time. Oh my goodness. Um, kind of since since the uh, since the Monster House days. We actually met playing ice hockey. It's very weird. Oh. I played hockey like three times in my life. And you and met Jason Reitman. You're oh. like, I came. I, I got yeah. what I came for. <laughs> I hooked my guy. <laughs> Basically, I'm recommending you play ice hockey. I'm fine. I'm taking a year off. It's a long story. <laughs> <laughs> my life's awesome. um, um, but so, so yeah, that's been amazing. That's like been one of the greatest collaborations. Really fun. Yeah. Um, I like him. Me He's too. great. Yeah. He's great, yeah. The, the first um, thing I ever wrote was actually something that happened before Monster House. I um, This is actually a really weird, funny story, but... It better be. Oh, um, I know. I'm Fuck. ready. It's time, right? <laughs> um, it's time. But so I, um, I found out, I got this agent. He was like, great, welcome to Hollywood. You should start reading the trades because then you'll know who everyone is and what, what's going on. So I was like, okay, I will read this trades. And I opened it and I was looking through and it's like, okay, names, names, names. And then I saw, oh, Pac-Man. 
there was like this title and I, I read it was like in the back of the newspaper and it said Pac-Man optioned by some producer that I, I, I didn't know. And I got, I got so mad. I got really pissed off that, you know, fucking Hollywood, like, like here, here we go again. Like, <laughs> the, the, the ultimate cash grab, just taking something that doesn't need to be a movie and trying to like force um, some some baloney story into it. So I got really angry and I, I called my agent. I was like, like, where do these people get off the nerve that they like that they're doing? And they this offer you and to direct and it. And and he's like, you should go talk to this guy, tell him how you feel. So I go and I have this conversation. He's like, that sounds like a movie. I will give you and it was like something insane. He was like, I will give you like ten thousand dollars to write this feature screenplay. Insanely low. Yeah, I know. Right? Yeah. yeah. It was like it was like I bet I was almost being evicted at that point i was living in this place in like south south of pico surrounded by hasidic people because i thought it'd be kind of cool to see what their lives totally were like. i, I agree it wasn't. It okay was, yeah, well, you know. yeah uh but um the, anyway so i i wrote pac-man and it was really you wrote pac-man yeah it was this really insane few months and i actually kind of stopped like the process never actually got finished because i got monster house while i was writing it but it was going to be really good because I figured out a way to do it. Oh, my God. Um, do you want to know what the pitch was? Yeah. That it's a period film. It's totally straightforward. It takes place in 1981 at the height of Pac-Man fever. And it's about coin-op, like a coin-op hero. This kid who lives in a small town. Um, and, uh, and like, somewhere in Arizona, sort of planned development. And... Um, he spray paints his BMX helmet yellow with two little dots on the on the sides and, and rides, and it's really like a coming of age story. So I figured out the way that they were never going to make it. Yeah. It was like not what they wanted was a little um, digital character being like, "I'm your buddy." Yeah, let's go get him. Oh my god! Uh, but so anyway, that that was actually it's a good script. I'm really proud of it, and um, I, I think it's going to be in this book that comes out um, later this year. This English writer is putting together a book of the entire um, universe of game to movie, including like like uh, great unfilmed uh, video game scripts. And so hopefully, um, hopefully that that has its moment in in, in the sun. Oh my god! And then yeah. when are you working on with Jason Reitman? Or is it um, top secret? Am no, I- one of them is one of them's like out in the open. We're doing this. Um, this animated movie together at DreamWorks um, called Beagle, um, based on a great book by Dan Santat. And the other one I can't talk about. Yet. All right, fine. I don't. Um, I don't even care. Yeah, but it's he's stretching. He's so, like po- he's you're yeah, like, like showing like, off. Like oh, sorry, I can't. Oh, you're hockey flexing. Muscles. Hockey muscles. <laughs> <laughs> Who oh knew? Who knew that 13 years later they would still be there? You must do something. Not a walk. I, you, I live near the park. I love walking. Yeah, that's my favorite thing. Why do anything else? Why? I yeah. don't know. Yeah. Um. All right. Oh, so I listen to the Brady and Ellis podcast a lot. Mm. I don't know if you do. You're the only podcast I listen to. All, uh, all that one time. Yeah, I've listened to one podcast. That was the worst podcast you could have listened to. I'm sorry. I've said it. Like, you got so much, like, hate. Really? Tell Mark, me about that for a second. Uh, have you Mark, talked about it openly? Uh, yeah, Mark Polanski even, I, te- we, I texted, I said, I apologize for the haters because people were, like, rude to him because he didn't open up. Right. So I guess the people who listen to the show have, an, like, they have a thing that they, they expect a certain kind of openness right. and a willingness, and he was a little bit closed off, which is fine. Yeah. He had never listened to the show. It's He can do whatever he wants to do, but it was interesting because the reaction was 
so like, hey, wait a minute, Alexis, she asked you some stuff, and uh, yeah. who, who, who is this guy? But right. uh, but I actually interviewed uh, one of my favorite inter- interviews is uh, I have a lot of them, but I interviewed this thirteen year old uh, Gil, who has a podcast, uh, another Gil. Oh, not you. Oh. Um, I'm putting all the pieces together in my brain now. I forgot yeah. your name apparently. Who is, who is that guy? <laughs> uh, he has a podcast called The Mutant Season mm. on Nerdist, and he's thirteen years old. He's the son of the owner of meltdown comics and he's so special and we have one of the most wonderful tangential conversations because he's 13 mm. closer to it more grounded closer to god uh newer to the planet yeah <laughs> and had just such an openness we talked about reincarnation and yeah so it's a very spiritual conversation it super spiritual it's about love and dating and i like to talk to children like they're adults i just talk to everybody the exact same way and yeah yeah um that was a good episode but my oh what were, what were we talking about? You're here? telling me about other better <laughs> conversations you've had than me. No, you wanted this to talk technique? about are you know, people still doing this technique when they're like meeting other people. I'm nagging you. I feel like you actually got shorter in your chair right there when I was telling you that. Oh. Sit up straight. Um, all right. Oh, do do you use the same? Well, you do a lot of. Hmm. Do you use the same DP? Um, no, that's a good question. No, so I've had a lot of collaborators that have been like the same across films. But DP, I use the same. The same. Um, I actually have only shot with guys named Javier. No way! But, I only interview guys named Gil. Amazing. <laughs> um, but uh, so, Cha-cha. so uh, one guy um, named Javier Grobe shot Monster House and City of Ember, and another guy named Javier Aguirre Sarobe. That is the sexiest thing you've ever said to me Thank in you your goddamn much. life. Aguirre Sarobe um, shot. I think, no, I think you, you speak more less. Spanish yeah. than uh, Aristotle does. Aristotle, you don't speak Spanish, right? Um, okay. Aristotle. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, oh, so, um, so yeah, those those two guys are amazing, and you know those collaborations are so important. I um, so I, I can I circle back to the smell again for a yes. second because this thing that I just shot, I'm super excited about. I just saw um, a first assembly of it. Jim had this idea. Jim Smith, who has been the flame keeper for the smell since way back when yeah um had this great idea that there should be some sort of photographic record of the place before it gets demolished yes and so i worked with this guy vice cooler who's a music video director and a musician in his own in his own right to create a um virtual reality um night at the smell so uh we got a bunch of bands to play and a bunch of kids to just show up and we kind of follow them from one room to the other and had a band set up in each one who quickly did like one amazing song yeah um and i'm really excited about it i think it's going to be super rad oh my god Um, where are we going to find that when's it coming out oh i don't know it'll be free somewhere soon all right cool as soon as it's done you heard it here first folks Mm. exclusive Um. All right. Oh, so you're right. I'm. I'm very excited that you're writing stuff because I always. Mm. I always find it fascinating because uh, I. You know, I've talked to a lot of directors and I. I always. Uh, and there's some that I know that never write. They don't write anything that they direct, and I always think that would be so difficult. Or maybe it's. It. I don't know. I just don't. I feel like. So. It's not. It's. You know. I mean. I think you need to be a writer to direct period i think that part of your brain needs to be active because language is um is a a critical vehicle (laughs) yeah yeah, in 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 delivering story it's not the only one but it's but it's but it is crucial and so i think that that part of the director's brain is really always there but there are amazing writers who are really good at just Just that and i think it would be um you know there's like some of the best films that 
we've ever seen as movie fans have come from a collaboration between a writer, a writer and, a, and a director. And so I, I'm, I, I think that that's actually a really valuable collaboration, but I have my own weird stories that I want to tell. Yeah, I can and, I- Yeah, and the truth is that the stories that I want to tell might be too weird for the big studio movies that I really like to make sometimes. Yeah, I just think it would be like a more like, like a, a very fulfilling thing mm. to do to direct something that you write and get, get some kind of whatever, a very personal story or specific yeah. to, I don't know, I just think that would be like a life fulfillment thing. I'll so, let you know. I, I can't wait. <laughs> You'll have to come back. Um, oh, so I listened to the Brady Stanellis podcast. That's how we went off on that weird journey. But uh, And he always talks about, uh, I don't know, he's always very pessimistic about the state of film nowadays because it seems like everything's either a studio movie or and, the, and that uh, nobody cares anymore. Nobody goes to the movies anymore and that it's a, it's a dying art. And, uh, and he's just so pessimistic about it. And I don't like hearing that because I feel like, young people are really passionate about film and I think that this makes him sound old and or maybe he's just saying that to get people revved up to go I'll show you and I'm going to get excited about movies again but he makes fun of things I'll stop referencing Brady Sinellis yeah. in a moment but he he makes fun of the phrase content because he says right now you know the, it's all about content it doesn't matter where you find it but uh, I just think uh, I don't know about you but all I do is watch films yes from the privacy of my own home maybe yes I watch them on my computer but I love movies and uh and I, I watch as many as possible. Are you pessimistic about this? Oh, and also, last point. Yeah. Uh, Are you going to bring up Bernie Snell's podcast? No. Okay. But uh, last point is, uh, I don't know. I just I keep hearing that, that it, now is the time to be making uh, movies for like $100,000 mm-hmm. or like you're making a studio movie. There's no in between, but now we're in the same. That's, that's true. Um, I feel like we are in a in a weird time. I've been I've been doing this now long enough where I've seen real peaks and valleys. Like I was very lucky to get my foot in the door and to make Monster House at a moment where that was probably the last time in the universe that that would have been possible to make. Oh, really? Like somebody coming out of film school making a movie like that is without having made some Sundance darling oh, film. Oh, you think so? I think that that kind of experience probably was it was probably symptomatic of a of of a period of excess in Hollywood where a lot of money was being thrown and some of it was working, some of it was wildly missing. It's like so, the music business too. Right. So I benefited from that. I was really lucky that people were able to just say like, oh, we trust this kid out of college. Let's let him make this giant movie. Um, I don't think that the downturn that we're in right now, which is definitely happening, like a lot of really good people have moved to television because mm-hmm. lots of stuff's going on in television and it's really good. It's easier too, right? It's I've like heard that. So easy, but, you, but I, I haven't really done that okay. other than the Scream. episode of Scream, which was just really like, I want to try it and it was really fun. But um, when I say I haven't really done it, it means I haven't created a show, which maybe one day I'll do. But right now I'm still really... I'm still really busy and I'm still really enjoying making films. It's still the thing that made me fall in love with storytelling as a kid. Mm -hmm. And so as long as I can continue to do it and be allowed to make movies and tell stories that I care about, I I feel like that's my, that's, that's the path that I want to, I want to, I want to keep. Yeah. Um, And so I don't know, I'm not pessimistic because I do think that these things have tides and I think that, uh, eventually there's going to be a new influx of something that's going to make things make things better and more more good movies will get made yeah. and i think that that 
thing about the hundred thousand versus the blockbuster. I think that was true like a year ago. I feel like things have sort of shifted. Oh, why is that? There's like this new wave of billionaires that have come in, and and billionaires basically have been funding more movies in the middle again. Oh, like three to five million dollar movies and more, you know, and and fifteen and twenty, and so I mean that's just happening. And there's new companies out there that that are doing that. Um, so I think now things are maybe leveling off. It's just not the same as it was, but. You know, things change in in movies and in entertainment every ten years anyway. Yeah, the the '70s were different from the '60s, were different from the '50s, and from the '40s. So that's, how would you know? How I mean, would you know? I, what did so what? Because uh, I'm I want to get I want to ring you out. I want to mm. get as much info as, as possible from you. Who like what inspired you? You mentioned Back to the Future. Now it's getting all film podcasting mm. or whatever. But uh, like, w- yeah, what inspired did we you? Talk enough your, about your relationships. I can talk about that. With Aristotle after okay. the show. Okay. <laughs> Don't think I won't. Um, okay. <laughs> um, oh, poor Aristotle. The stuff I put him through. It's crazy. I record my intro yeah. uh, every week the night before the podcast comes out. So Tuesday night I reserve because I want to uh, wait to the last minute to record my intro mm. so I can talk about everything I'm noticing that week or just, just be very... I don't know. Yeah. Right up to the minute. So you do it before you record the episode. I know. I, I record the intro okay. before uh, I put out... Bef- the night before the episode comes out. Got it. So I will record the intro to our episode the night before it comes out, which will be in a few weeks from when we're actually recording this. Um, and sometimes I just, I'll get busy. I'm a procrastinator. Something will come up. And I'm supposed to get my intro to to, to Aristotle like at like 6 p.m. Mm-hmm. on Tuesday. This week, I waited till 7 a.m. Wednesday. I stayed up all night, pulled an all-nighter, and sent it to him uh, 7 a.m. on Wednesday. And... Uh, didn't sleep all night, called him hysterically, just being like, oh, my God, do you hate me? Please don't hate me. I, can't, I hope you're not mad at me. Um, uh, whatever. And oh, then I, that, so that's the vibes I'm reading here? This is the, the, recovering those, those from those that? And then, and, then I, and then I got a good night's sleep. And then I thought, that's why would he hate me? Like, right. I didn't do anything wrong. I sent him my intro a little bit late. So I have to suffer and wait for it to come out later the next day. That's on me. That's crazy that Aristotle hates me for that. That is totally unfair. So I'm like having a whole conversation with Aristotle while he's playing Pac-Man. He doesn't give a fuck. I mean, Pokemon. Okay. Anyway, so we have this like weird vibe. Um, I don't think it's weird. Actually, I care about him a lot. And uh, I don't understand why he would ever be mad at me because all I have is love for him. Whatever. Things took a real sentimental <laughs> turn here in the final minutes. Anyway, so uh, listen. So what inspired you as a, as a kid uh, to make movies? What, what, what were your inspirations? I had, uh, so um, let's, let's get more on theme. The first time I ever saw sex in a movie, should we talk about that? Yeah. I feel like we should get things back to, back to basics. Okay. I, saw, I, had a really, I had a really messed up first um, theatrical sexual experience because my dad took me to see The Tin Drum in the movie theater. I've never seen that. You should go see it. It's amazing. Okay. Um, uh, it's it's based on this Gunter Grass book, uh, Schlondorf. Schlondorf Ew, made that sounds the, gross. Made the movie. Yeah, that's what I saw. I saw I saw a big Schlondorf on the screen. I hate that for word the first for, for, time. Oh god, I call it a private. I don't like the word. Uh, uh, I hate that word. Um, uh, the name of the director and the um, and the film has this super messed up uh, relationship because this kid decides. He sees so much ugliness in the world, he throws himself down the stairs because he doesn't want to grow up because adults 
ruin the world. Yeah. And so, but it's he, a trap. Don't do it. But he ends up maturing still and ends up having this really messed up experience with his, like, with this woman who is a young woman who's raising him. And I remember seeing him touching her on screen. My dad was next to me. It was so weird. So, see your dad? Well, there were a few other people in the movie theater. Yeah, You're making about, like, it like, seem super weird. <laughs> yeah, but but in the universe, yes. Um, and so that was I, that was like one of those moments that branded in my brain. I was like, I was like, oh, this is what this is what like two people who want to touch each other do on screen. It was so weird. I was really young. I was yeah. like five or six. Yeah. Do you remember those kinds of moments yeah. in movies? My dad yeah. was like, you got to watch this movie. I was like five or six. Yeah. A Clockwork Orange. Oh, yeah. Clockwork Orange and The Shining. Yeah, but with The Clockwork Orange, I know it's confusing. They're like She's cutting, raped. They're cutting, cutting nipples. Oh, yeah, ah, with scissors. Sorry. Yeah, oh my yeah. God. Yeah, and I just remember like, I'm watching, this feels horrible. And, right. I, and I have flashbacks of that scene where they're yeah, cutting off uh, mm-hmm. the, the clothing off right of her boobs, um, exposing her nipples. I think those I think those movie experiences where something like shocks you like that are the ones that really matter. I remember like also being super young and I saw a... Um, drive-in screening of Flashdance. I love Flashdance. That, that's not what I meant. I know I was testing you to see if you loved Flashdance. I love it. But what I and meant Moonstruck. was Flash, Flash Gordon. Oh. About how do you feel about that? Um, I don't and care. so um, <laughs> you remember the part in Flashdance when um, his spaceship goes through Ming's stomach? Because that's the part that I remember from the drive-in. I remember the super flashy part. And I'm not like in the breakdancing scene in Flashdance. I know you're talking, we're talking about two different Flash no, but movies. I think we should keep doing, we should merge the movies. Maybe a supercut. It's a mashup supercut. Yeah. And then you know what? I watched Flashdance the other day and I thought, I really don't like this breakdancing scene, mm. but I appreciate the fact that the director liked it so much. He mm. just had to do him and I've got to deal with it. <laughs> <laughs> and I went, that's what happens sometimes. You can't please everybody, you know? Anyway, go on. So, yeah. No, no. So I remember, I remember also my grandfather took me to see like, um, Empire Strikes Back when it came out and I remember that changing my life and it was weird it was in London they were playing uh, Star Wars and Empire Strikes Back back together uh, back to back Mm -hmm. and my grandfather as soon as we sat down went to sleep and slept through the entirety of both movies and you I never talked to him again. He's dead, Alexi. Oh, sorry, Alexi. Of course I. Of course I don't <laughs> I talk mean, to him. After that night, I mean, after How that day. Could you? How dare you? Go on. Um, so these are these are pivotal coming of age experiences for you, film wise. And um, and yeah, so that that plus many more. But those things, I, I really like to think back to moments where I was in a theater and I really remember. Oh, Time Bandits. I remember sitting in the theater for Time Bandits, this amazing Terry Gilliam movie. Yeah. which you should see if you haven't. I it's have so good. Yeah. yeah. And. Um, um, and so I remember that one. I remember looking around at the theater and being really aware of like, oh, this is this is a place where I feel like I've just gone on a crazy trip. Like I think I feel like I've been transported, and I want to do this one day. And I'm and I was like really aware of the four walls of the theater. And is is that why you want to? Do you still go to the movies? Do you? I do. You yeah. Do? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I do too. I I go I go kind of. I mean, I try to go a lot now that my daughter's a little bit older. Like eight is starting to get easier. She goes away to summer camp, and we can go out to movies again. Yeah. I love I, movies. I love and I love going to the movies, and I feel like uh, they make me feel less alone. They make me see humanity. They make me feel. I can see myself through the characters in a film. Like my one of my. I don't know. I'm mm. rambling. I'm going off on this, but. Uh, but I know I went on a date with somebody and I remember. Here we go. All right. And I remember he he, he started talking during the movie. Mm. And I was like, well, this is not for me. 
Like oh. a part he spoke. Oh my god! Why haven't we just been talking about how dates ruin movies or movies ruin dates? Because I feel like that's a whole sub subculture. Yeah. Um, like so weird. Actually, we we should just save this for a whole other conversation. Are you coming back? Wait, did you just invite me to come back? Yeah. Oh my god! Maybe this was the dry run, and the next one will be. This amazing. is no. This is like fast paced, fast and furious. You know, I feel like it's good. I can't imagine how you could possibly take longer with a guest. Really? What else is there to talk about in the world? I mean, take longer. Two hours. That's when shit gets real. Oh, right. That's when all of a sudden you're you exhausted. And then you just say everything and you're like, oh, my God. I don't. And then, and then I'll get texts from you You know, if you had done a two hour or two and a half hour. Yeah. I've had a two and a half hour podcast. That's when people are like, hey, I don't know. Maybe could you edit that? Oh, my God. I don't know why I said that. I felt so comfortable. That's when you get people like loose. And does that happen? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Sometimes. No, but I mean like where you edit parts out. Oh, uh, yeah, of course. Mm. Um Listen. Hey, remember that podcast we did <laughs> 10 minutes ago where I sat across from you? Who do you think I should be with romantically? I want you to tell me because I like to ask every guest like who they think I should be with. Yeah. Like uh, these people are so loud over there. You mean like between Johnny Depp and Russell Crowe, that kind of thing? Yeah. That's exactly what I mean. <laughs> Mark Polanski said I belong with uh, with Russell Brand. Oh, he, he did? He didn't really say that, but I just no. like to like, I want to ask. Like, you were like fishing <laughs> for that? I, I I expect more from you. I don't know. I kind of want you to be with somebody who's not here. Like, maybe somebody... In another state, you mean? Yeah, who's still doing creative stuff, but in a different state. Why? Because I feel like there's so much... For somebody like you, where so much of your worldview has been like... Like, you grew up in Hollywood... Um, I don't know. Like, have you had experiences with like, long distance? No, no, long, ter- longer relationships with people who who've come from other parts of the world or other parts of the country. Oh. I don't mean like an English guy. I definitely don't mean an English. I don't guy. like French guys because that's a thing. So let's cancel Europe France? out. Okay, what so about Australian dudes? Oh yes, I was with for five years. A drummer from. So that's what I'm, I'm feeling Australian. I don't like Australians. Uh, I'm sorry. I mean, unless you're you listening to the show. You just basically canceled an entire continent. Who from cares? Your They're racist. Anyway, they? I think so. Oh no. Yeah, they are. Hmm. But uh, but you don't know like what kind of what should it be. He, but you do you mean it to be a guy who lives somewhere else or he's from somewhere else? All right. So the drummer thing is out, right? I mean, is that over? We're done with drummers. I do love directors. Yeah. I've decided to take a year off so I can focus on me and yeah. try to tap into my masculinity because men, for the most part, I'm generalizing, put themselves first, mm. focus on work, yeah. don't lead with emotion like women do. I wasted so much time, even though I've kind of made a career out of it, mm. uh, talking about feelings and dating and wh- whatnot. Uh, so I'm. I mean, is a that a liability at this point? The 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 Dude. fact that so much of your work has been about putting those experiences and emotions into some sort of entertainment because men are f- afraid of that. Yeah. Uh, sometimes, but I, I actually, mean, I would be. I think yeah, that's because you're I a logical, grounded, real right. person. Yeah. Uh, yes, but I don't. I don't know. I don't think I really. Like, I, if you, you see my Instagram, I'm not like. Mm-hmm. I no, I wanted to talk to you about your Instagram, actually. I mean, we're running out of time, but... We're, we'll be fine. Are you taking, like, a break or something? I'm What's not Instagramming on? enough for you? It's just, it feels like the passion's gone. Really? Yeah, I'm being honest. What do you want? More nudes? No, I'm just, <laughs> it just feels like there was more... There was more you, and now I feel like it feels like you're doing it because you feel like you... I mean, maybe just even the last few, like, week or oh something. Oh, my God. You know why? I put stuff up, and I take it down, and I, I really know. curate my Instagram. You know what this is, actually says about you? Mm. You're not on Snapchat. No, I'm not. You don't understand the progression of humanity. That's right. Of youth culture. That's true, actually. Everybody is on. Yeah. I asked the same. I was wondering, why didn't I see uh, anything about Coachella, really, on Instagram? Mm. Like, not like I really care about Coachella or whatever, but I thought that's odd. Coachella just like people in their late 30s? What? 
It's not. Coachella is just a bunch of like barely legal people oh. getting date raped. Oh. I don't even believe in that. Oh my God, you. that sounds great. <laughs> what am I doing all the way in Hollywood? Um, but I was like, why? I, I remember thinking, why am I not seeing anything about Coachella really? Mm. And it's because it's all. Uh, it's all on Snapchat. You're totally right. I mean, I, I feel like you've really... you got to uh, get on Snapchat. Yeah. It's a time waster, but you should do it. But I will get crazier on... Uh, Just one or two. On Instagram. I promise. Listen, yeah. you're going to see it. I'm going to I'll flourish. find this blue picture of you. Let's kick uh, oh things my God. off. I will. Bang. Okay. Yeah. But do you mean that I should have... I want to understand this, though, because I do have a crush on somebody who lives in another city. Yeah. Did you mean long distance, like he lives in another city or just from somewhere else? No. And this fictitious I, person. I think, I think I meant both, but I don't think long term is doesn't seem that healthy. I mean, I feel like you would need to move or oh, you yeah. would need to move. I would do bi-coastal stuff and then, uh, yeah. you know, move move to New York. Yeah. Um, but anyway, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, and I'm sorry about the Instagram thing. You're totally right. I guess I just meant you used to do more like slice of life stuff like i will do that more yeah i promise you everybody look forward to more me on the internet but you know what here's the thing people were used to be afraid of of me i don't of me writing about them Mm. but i don't blog anymore really yeah and if i did and i might start again because i'm kind of getting inspired to if i write stories i always like change the time frame i never use somebody's name i uh and usually they don't have to people don't have to worry right it really it's really not a concern i try to make that clear but uh I don't know. Hmm. But yes, I guess people get scared. But really now I can make a living like having like from selling shows I pitch that have never been made or from doing this or commercials or weird like acting. It's like, uh, I don't know what my point was there. No, no, that that makes sense. But yeah, so it's like people don't have to worry. And all we have to do is communicate about it. If if somebody's like, I don't want you to do this or that, it's like, but I, and I won't. I wouldn't share. And I would never use their name. I would never. And I'm very loving. I'm not like a vengeful person. Yeah. But I do want to be in a relationship where uh, I can post an Instagram photo of me and whoever my future boyfriend slash husband uh, is making out or kissing. Right. I, w- I want to have I want I want to have an openness like that. I don't, yeah. I don't want the person I date to be like no PDAs and no photos of us together on the internet because that would feel like stifling. I mean, I want all of those things for you. Me too. Yeah. So. <laughs> um. All right. Man, did I ask you all the things I want to ask? Mm-hmm. My copious notes, DP. How important is sound? And who do, who who's your editor every time? Ta- every now, it's so. <laughs> we had such a natural ending. It's like the end. And let's talk about sound recording for just thirty seconds at no. the very at the very. Can end. we go to one thirty? What time is your hair appointment? Microphone talk. <laughs> Um, I feel my, my, I mean, it's coming up. What time is your hair appointment? It's at two o'clock in Echo Park. Like basically. Echo Park. That's that's far. Not even Echo Park. Like basically Dodger Stadium. That's terrifying. Oh my God. Oh my God. But no, no, let's, no, no, let's stop everything. Let's slow the podcast down. No, no, no. And talk about sound recording. I just didn't want to add, because I'm, you know, as an, I'm, but I'm noticing from my experience with the short film and just like sound and figuring out where it goes and not having too much of a score and and having to pull back. So that's mixing. That's really important. And, but what um, about the score? It seems like you don't want like so much music. So you, you need to find your composer. Just, um, but do you like find people and then go? I'm going to work with them for good, or do yeah. you, you? You do? Um, yes, but it doesn't always work out that way. Because they're busy, or because they're not famous enough, and the studio wants you, forces you to make one concession, so you get everyone else. But in this thing, they won't budge. Yeah. That's happened to me like once or twice. <laughs> yeah, that stuff's really tough. And there are fights you can win. Usually, it's the cast ones where I'll throw myself down on the on the th- you know I'll, I'll write the line in the sand. I'm like with cast, these, yeah. Where yeah. it's like if I can't get these actors, I'm not doing it. 
and that's generally worked. Yeah. Uh, but then by the time it gets to other parts of the process, like with composer, there's a composer I've loved to work with who did Monster House, and um, and I just haven't been able to get him to get the studios to hire him. Um, and I hope to in the future, but that w- that's been like a really frustrating process. What about editors? Do you use the same editors every time? Yeah, except um, editors, sometimes they change careers. Sometimes because movies take a while in between, they take longer gigs like at you know animation studios or something. So I, I have worked with the same editor several times. Um, but then, you know, recently I've had to, cho- you know, bring in other people into do the process. Do you ever edit yourself? I mean, again, and a director sort of has to do all of that, has to know how to do all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. But you also should be really open to the collaborative creative process because bringing other people in and bringing their intelligence and their eyes is really is really important. I think it makes movies better. And yeah. it makes It helps me do my best work. What inspires you now? We talked about movies from a long time ago, coming-of-age movie experiences, and uh, that's when you you knew you wanted to tell stories, because the importance. Is that why you became a director? Just because you're like the power you felt from these movies? No, I think I also, I started writing stories really early on, and 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 when I was drawing those same stories, I started making little picture books for myself, really. Um, And I got really excited about the idea that I could control what, the story was that I could figure out what the image that went with it and that I can hand it to someone and they would be able to have that have that story open up for them that oh, felt wow. like that felt like really eye-opening for me as a kid so that was probably where I realized like oh this is what I really want to do and then I did a lot of theater in high school acting but, yeah did you go to Cleveland high school yeah I did okay yeah. how do you know that Jared Grody went there uh, right yeah yeah, yeah. I saw him recently. Well, that's, a, that's a great pivotal um, podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, we're gonna get you out of here in two minutes. I swear to God, we are landing this plane. Um, but um, so I'm inspired by lots of stuff. Um, you know, I've kind of been really into um, trolling old crime photos. Um, you know, sort of uh, every once in a while, I post something really interesting um, f- that I find in the depths of the LA Public Library archive. Oh wow! Um, and usually it's where, you know, I'm looking for weird human stories that ended violently one way or another. Yeah. I think that's one of the places where, I, like, I, f- I keep myself really inspired by by having those stories in my head. Yeah. And my Instagram page. And your Instagram page. And that's why you're, like, really looking for more inspiration. How old like- are you? Instagram page? <laughs> I'm going to upload something on my Instagram page. Wow. Oh, my God. Wow. Um, well, I don't see why it didn't work out. I'm glad we never dated, and I can get why uh, you never loved me, because I hate you. <laughs> Just kidding. I'm never, I don't mean that. I don't mean that. La- okay. So you really did not answer the question, if we're going to land this plane, yeah. who I should be with. I-, I need you to, like, give me a name or give me a sense of it. But what does he do? What is this fictitious person? Honestly, yeah, I, I only introduced one couple in my whole life like really purely introduced them and uh it was these two people I went to school with and they they fell in love and got married and it was like a fluke that I introduced them I kind what does of this just have to do with me because I quit I quit. quit. I, I want. No I want a, perfe- I want a perfect record. <laughs> you want a perfect I got match. one out of one. But I mean, like, who do I? You know, you and I say things like effortlessly chic, and we're living our lives in uh, Tinseltown, and we have this like sense of humor. You know, how, who do you see me with? You're like, oh, that makes sense, Alexi. Come on, you gotta listen. 
create this uh, reality. I mean, (laughs) all right, full circle. You know, um, have I? I've tried a brother-in-law that that didn't work. Uh, so I've given you a part of myself. Like we that matched was, on like some weird dating. Oh, it was. Thing. Oh, oh. Okay. Here I was trying to take credit for it, so I can answer the question. Um, I don't know. Like, see, I, if you want me to answer it in a pop way, I can throw out some joke. But if you want me to take this seriously and find the love of your life, I'm gonna have to go out there and like really look around at the people I meet every day. If you want me to take this seriously and take this on as as a job. And and trust me with finding the person that you'll spend the rest of your life with, then you're gonna have to give me a little bit of space here. Fine. To work. Okay. I just need a leash that opens up so that I can at least breathe and try to find the person that you can raise a family with. Those are our cell phones, and you can text me later. That's um, the leash. Um, but I want right. happiness for you, and I think that I think that you have a lot to give. Um, and I don't I don't like that you know I don't like that it feels like. It has to be someone from another city or someone who's like a fantasy. Like, I think the problem with the drummers is they go away all the time, right? So that means you're kind of creating a self-fulfilling doom prophecy where they're far away and jealousy enters or distrust and things like that. I think think you should should find someone who's really stable and level-headed and nice and smart um, and is like impressed by you, Mm. you know, like always. Okay. Um, is that enough? I think that's enough. Yeah. Did I just describe like a Canadian? Sounds He sounds boring and I would like yeah. to be fascinated by the person that I'm dating and be excited by him. But maybe he'll be great in bed. Maybe you guys will like great have amazing pheromones. Yeah. Pheromones. Do you believe in them? I do. Do you get jealous? Do you have a jealousy uh, thing? No. No. Because we have pheromones. That's like Eliza and I totally have pheromones. We all do. No, no, but I mean, like, really, like, our pheromones work. But I'm saying, do you ever get, like, hey, wait a minute, that guy was talking to you, or does she get, is there any jealousy in there, or are you just, like, a not, non-jealous person? Um, I think I am a jealous person, but I don't, I don't, I feel really, I feel really confident and stable in, in our relationship. Well, you should, and I look forward yeah. to uh, sending you my short film and getting that text message from you about uh, my next possible... <laughs> about what to cut from the great podcast? Love. No! Um, about who my love and love of my life is. Anyway. We got to get you out of here because okay. your hair is unruly. I, <laughs> um, I really appreciate you um, inviting me in, and I'm going to listen to all the episodes. Write me a list of the best episodes. I will. I in, seriously in that will order. I totally. To oh my god! Thank you very much. Okay. Yeah. Oh, I'm glad. Uh, I'm glad we got to talk. Gil. Thanks, Alexi. Thanks, Gil. Bye. Bye. Now leaving Nerdist.com. 